I just want to do a quick recap is we're right in the middle of a series called Pass Forward and we've been celebrating the last 30 years and also uh, looking forward to the next 30 years. And uh, a part of that was last week and we talked about some projects that we have coming up. One in particular, which is the Community Life Center and uh, kind of converting the, uh, the former auditorium into this new center where we can do life and, and uh, build community. And uh, Doyle's going to be talking about that a little bit today. But throughout the last couple weeks, we have been doing these dinners and desserts where we've been talking about that project and, and asking our church to come and to, to resource that so that we can, uh, we can pay for it. And so, you know, we don't just get up here and talk about it. We're challenged to do it ourselves. And, and so I know that I and Amy have been wrestling with how much to give and all that. And, it, you know, and, and Moy said that him and Lori Lynn have been doing the same. And he told me a kind of a cool story. And so I wanted him just to real quick uh, share that story. All right, so I'm going to share my story. This week, uh, we had been going back and forth, me and Laura Lynn, as to deciding what we were going to pledge. And she kept coming up with a number, and I kept telling her to go back and pray about it because it wasn't enough. I'm just kidding. I stole that from Doyle. Um, <laughs> uh, we just kept praying and talking about it, and finally we decided on, on the number. It was going to stretch us. And, you know, growing up in the church and, um, you know, there's, you, you have, you, through, as you go through life, God teaches you in these moments in life, um, and you've got great times, and you've got times when you struggle with the whole tithing thing and the giving thing, and so throughout my life, um, God has, has dealt with me, and he has taught me, and even just this last time as we've been preparing and fasting and kind of figuring out exactly what it is that, that how we're going to step up and what we're going to do, uh, we finally came up with, with a number, and out of nowhere, uh, because the thoughts that go through your mind because you're human um, is the enemy wants to attack, you know, and be like, well, you, you know, and so we had just, we'd worked so hard to get out of debt and we finally out of debt and we're saving our little pennies, right, to buy a house one day. And then all of a sudden now there's this opportunity to give and then you've got this tug and pull, you know, it's like, but come on, we were just getting on the plus side. And so as we were deciding and finally decided on what we were going to give, um, two days later, out of nowhere, uh, we get we get this check in the mail uh, for some royalties for some songs that I had uh, written years ago, and it, it's not that that it was uh, a surprise that we got a royalty check. They're just usually like thirty cents or a dollar, um, and and this uh, this check was it was a massive check, and um, it was it was for half of what we had pledged. And I literally in the moment as I'm op opening it and looking at it, um, I get the sense and just like God was saying. If you'd have pledged higher, this check would have been higher, you know? So anyway, just a reminder that, that, that God is waiting for us to take a step, and he's going to show up, and he's going to surprise us in amazing ways. Thanks for letting me share. So if you weren't here last week or haven't been here the last few weeks, we've been in this series called Pass Forward where we celebrated 30 years of uh, Connie and I had coming out here and doing ministry and stuff and, uh, and uh, looking forward to the next 30 years because uh, I figure if, uh, if God's willing and I stay on the diet I'm on right now, I might make it another 30 and, uh, and uh, so we've got our plan for it. So actually, we're really excited about it. And, uh, and so if you don't know about that, there's, the ushers have some brochures. If you'd raise your hand, if you didn't get one of these last week, if you just raise your hand, everybody will know you weren't here last week, but we know you're doing something important. It's okay. <laughs> Go ahead, raise your hand. They'll hand those brochures out to you. And while they're doing that, Cody and I want to walk you through some of the things that we are um, excited about for the next several years. We've, for those who are in here, we've engaged a, a firm that does major um, site planning. They work with Disneyland. 
land and and uh, and, and and many community developments in the south uh, part of the county and and I don't know that what's the one up north the uh, Universal studios, studios. Universal Studios. I don't know. Uh, and so anyway, they have, they have kind of didn't charge us their normal fee and just kind of helped us out because they're Christian guys. And, and so we've been working on this, and we're very excited about it. And uh, so we just want to give you the long-term picture real quick, and it's a review if you were here last week. Long-term picture. We can go ahead and show that, that first slide uh, that will help us kind of talk our way through this. And here's what we believe as a church, uh, uh, that you go back to the first one real quick. I want to I talk about that real quick. If, if Kind of the way it works right here is you come in, like here, you come in, you hear about Jesus, or maybe for the first time, or maybe you're reminded, or maybe you already know Jesus. And then our job is to build you up, build you up in a person who can make a difference in your world, and then send you back out to make a difference in your world. And this is our come-in building. This is where most people enter the church, but we need a build-up building, and that's what we're going to talk about in just a moment. Uh, now let's get that overview of the, of the campus. So uh, just real quickly... Um, when the track closes, and it will eventually, and, and we don't know when, we don't think it's going to be that long, but who knows. Um, we already have a land deal in place, the zoning is approved, it was voted on last year, to allow us to square off our property. We have the goofiest shaped property in the history of churches. Because we have a starting gate right down through the middle. We were thinking about making it Seacoast Grace, you can bet on us. It's, it still That's works, it's still a good yeah. line, I think. In fact, um, we're going we're gonna to put all the money from this. And we're going to put it down and see if we can double it uh, <laughs> yeah. after this, yeah. <laughs> Tell them you're joking. That's I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> anyway, bring that slide back up. Uh, so uh, here's what we've come up with. We're able to, uh, so there's a whole lot of things that happen. There's two acres off the bottom of the screen you don't see that we own presently that get moved around to the side. Um, and so we get to square off our property. Same number of X. Same number of exits, which is important for you, I know. And uh, but if you'll see in the middle there, most of those buildings exist except for G and F, and we'll show you those in a moment. But in the middle, you see the church commons. Tell them about why that's there, Cody, real quick. Yeah. So uh, kind of the concept behind that is uh, we're trying to build a place where community can happen, where people can do life together. And so all the buildings, if you'll notice, they face towards the center of the campus. And the idea behind that is, is as soon as you exit a building, um, if you see your car, you're going to you're going to run to your car because you just want to, I don't know, there's something about it. We got to get home. Even though we got nothing to do, we got to get home. And, uh, and so we're trying to create a place where people are going to want to hang out. They're going to want to do life. It's safe. Uh, it's comfortable. It's clean. It's crisp. And so this is kind of the concept is um, being able to provide that center location for our whole church community to be able to hang out and do life together. And the next slide shows the two new buildings we'll be adding. They're, they're on the left. And go ahead and go to the next slide. I think it shows them a little better. And that is a chapel and a cafe. And the chapel will be 350, 400 seats. Uh, we need a place to do weddings. We need a place to do, frankly, funerals. And we just don't have that size auditorium. There's no place on this campus. I really want to get married. The warehouse, not so much. So um, we really would like to provide that long term. And, uh, and so that, go ahead, next slide again. And you can still see the commons there. This is a little closer. The, the other thing, that, and this is just conceptual because it's still a ways out. This is the big picture long term. You can see that the, the chapel and the cafe and there's a green area there and it won't be shaped exactly like that. We have several other ideas we're working on, including a baptismal at one end. Um, the, it could be closed off for a wedding and a reception. 
uh, or if you had a funeral on a Friday morning and then they could have a lunch afterwards there, which is kind of a thing. So that's all part of the long-term plan. Go ahead and go through the next slide there. Uh, that just gives you a little better picture. Now, at the top right, at the top left is the building you're in right now. You notice we've added a, a lobby on that would come around here. So we have doors here as well. Uh, these are details you may not need to know. And then this building at the top right is our old auditorium, the East Auditorium. And so tell them why we need to turn that into the build-up building, Cody. Yeah, so uh, we have over 1,200 people uh, all, all throughout the week currently. It's probably more than that if you counted in all the youth and all that, um, where they are doing group life here on campus, and they don't have a home. They need a place to be able to meet. And so we have groups literally that will meet right here in a circle, and they're talking about life's most intense, maybe difficult subjects, and there's another group that meets right there, it, and it's not really conducive to be able to create an intimate environment where we can work through some of that, that stuff. And, uh, and so we want to provide a place where that can happen. And uh, luckily, we have a building that is right across the way that um, we thought we were going to have to use for an additional service, but turns out um, we like hanging out together. Not like you and I personally, but like you understand. Our you ages, get it, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so we, uh, we want to convert that old auditorium into this community life center where people can come, they can do life together, they can, um, they can do classes, they can do groups, they can do rooted, they can do open share. We have just tons of stuff. So, so the next slide shows that building. Uh, and we would add an entrance on the right. It may not look like that because that's a really expensive entrance there on the right. Uh, but there will be an entrance there which connects to an out outdoor playground we put in this summer. There will be an indoor playground as well. We'll show you a picture in a moment of that. And it would allow a place for kids and families or moms and mothers. Like Thursday morning, there's so many moms and little kids around here. Afterwards, they can hang out and have a cup of coffee <clears throat> while the kids play right there and, and, and kind of make it a part of the family thing. And then <clears throat> if you go to the next slide, then we would like in the purple on the bottom picture there, that would be a common area, flex space like an auditorium. So CR could meet there on Friday night and then go into the teal colored spaces, which would be classrooms slash small group areas. So let's say you're in, a, in, in CR, you're, you're struggling with a particular wound from the past and you get up from CR and you don't have to walk all the way down the campus. Everybody knows which room you're going to. You just go to a room off to the side and you can go share about the, the healing that you're experiencing and then come back afterwards, have a cup of coffee and hang out, which is how CR kind of works on Friday nights. Same thing with mothers groups. We could do our, our rooted banquets there. And so it's a place. So here's what we know. We've known this for many years. In a setting like this where you're facing forward, you can get information, you can get inspiration. But what we really want and what Christ called us to is transformation. Transformation happens when you sit across the table, across the, uh, across the room in a circle from other people. and You talk about what does this mean? How do I experience God's forgiveness? How do I experience hope? How do I experience healing? How do I take this next step in my faith? And we want to provide spaces, opportunities for that kind of interaction to happen. Yeah, so let me give you just some, some real quick inspiration pictures. These are taken from, um, I think all of them are taken from yeah, a church churches, that yeah. we saw. Let's go to the next slide. And this is the indoor space that would be fun for kids. There's an outdoor space, indoor space. They can use whichever one. This is uh, from the other side of that. You notice there's glass there so you can see your kids but not have to hear, him, hear them, which is part Cody's excited about. Mm -hmm. and, and, and tables, this would be that common area, general idea, with the, uh, the second level there for the classroom space. I think there's two more there. Yeah, and so that it wouldn't be this exact configuration, and it'd be slightly smaller, I believe, 
judging by the looks of that. And then a little cafe to get some coffee and, and whatever. So that's, that's kind of our project we're working on right now. And that's what we're going to be talking about today, okay? Yeah, if you have questions, uh, find Cody or I. We'll be hanging out afterwards. Love to answer those. And uh, good. So turn to somebody and tell them, that looks exciting. That was underwhelming. That was unbelievably underwhelming, that right there. I was testing you, and you failed. Or maybe we failed sharing the vision with you. So we've been doing this thing, Pass Forward, and today I want to talk about, <clears throat> I want to talk about money. And it went quiet. <laughs> Speaking of which, we're giving back to God right now. If you're a guest list, don't worry about this. This is part of what we do. But that's not, this is not uh, all we're going to do is talk about money for this. We want to talk about money in general. So here's the deal. I think it is hilarious when I talk about money. I was telling somebody before we started today, you can hear a pin drop when I talk about money. You can just feel people tensing up. It's as if God, sometimes we live our lives as if God doesn't know certain things about us. Like we don't, we don't think about that God knows about sex. I'm pretty sure he invented it. <laughs> kind of his idea. So you don't have to act like God doesn't know. Well, what about money, God? It's always funny to me when I talk about money that people are so tense because we can trust God with our forever. Okay, please forgive me and take me to heaven. I'm good with that. My wallet? No, no, I'll take care of that. I'll be in charge of that. What? So if you're a guest today, I'm sorry you're here on the money date, but I'm kind of not. I'm kind of not because you're about to learn one of the great secrets to Christianity. If a Christian, someone who's committed to life to Christ, will learn the secret their life will go so much better. And the secret is generosity. God has been generous with us, and, is, and our goal is to be like Jesus. How much did Jesus love us? He gave his very life. And so if he was generous, and I'm supposed to become more like him, then I'm going to have to be generous. And so today I want to talk about generosity, because here's, here's what I, part of what I don't get. I was telling the staff, I was talking to the staff about this a couple weeks ago. I don't get this one because I have seen people recover from devastating things in their life. I've seen people recover from childhood traumas you can't imagine. It's a long, slow, painful process. I've seen people overcome addiction. It's a tough day by day, hour by hour thing sometimes. This one, this one is not hard. This is the easiest one. Just write a check. You can overcome greed just simply. Once a week, give money away. Not even all of it, just a little bit of it. And you can defeat probably the greatest um, addictive thing in our society, and that's greed. And yet, uh, uh. and what's funny is the fact that I just said write a check, because everybody who's not a boomer went, a what? <laughs> Set up a pay, do we have PayPal? What do we have? I don't, what are we have? I don't know what we have. Anyway, it's just not that hard. This one is something you can directly fix today. Because we all, so you're saying, well, I don't, I don't know if that's true. Okay, I'm going to convince you it's true, and I'm going to convince you it's okay to talk about it, and I'm going to convince you that maybe there's a next step for you, and there's hope for you after all. So, um, <clears throat> I believe it's one of the secrets to life, is generosity. And uh, uh, so, by the way, um, I think we, as a church, are at a unique uh, place. We believe there's a unique window of opportunity in front of us. And uh, when churches stop meeting challenges and stop stepping into opportunities, they, just like you and I, begin to die. If we stop meeting challenges, stop stepping into opportunities, we'd be, we'd just begin to go downhill, right? Same with churches. And so part of what we're doing this campaign for is not just to get the building done, see if you guys are ready for the next 30 years, because the staff is. 
and Cody and I and the staff, we're, we're ready. We're fired up. We have plans. We got stuff we haven't even shared with you yet. We're excited about it. We want to make sure you're on board, that you have ownership in this thing with us. What's interesting about this is right now we have five. I said four last night. I was completely wrong. We have five generations who can have ownership in this deal. Think about it. We have people who are older than me who can contribute to this for their grandkids and some of their great-grandkids to enjoy and to, to benefit them for years to come. We have boomers who right now are doing pretty well. In this economy, most boomers are doing pretty well if we weren't complete uh, knuckleheads most of our lives. Um, sorry if you're not doing well. I just called you a knucklehead. But anyway, um, so uh, Gen Xers on stride with their careers. Uh, they got they got some some good income. Most most people in this economy, uh, Gen Xers, Millennials are just getting started. What better time to begin habits of giving? And then we've got this Gen Z, which is age six to twenty. And we already had this week a family said, by the way, my kids uh, learned about the building, and, and we're going to expand some things in the children's building as well. By the way, and they had a lemonade stand, and they brought their money back this week. Now, here's my picture. Someday, that kid who is, I don't know, eight, nine years old will sit in that building in a small group. By the way, I helped pay for this. I put in eight bucks. There you go. <laughs> if you ever read the Bible and you see the widow's might, you'll know that that's as important to God as the guy who puts in a lot more and it's less sacrificial, right? You know that, right? So today, I want to walk you through. We have this incredible opportunity. All these generations can have ownership in something that will last forever. Not the building. The building won't last forever. But the impact that can be had in those small groups in that building will last forever. You can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead. Right? Still quiet. Okay. Still nervous. I got you. Okay. It's okay. Um, <clears throat> we have an opportunity a unique opportunity. So uh, here's the problem. We, we don't have a theology of money. We don't have, uh, we have our view of money. We have the world around us view of money. We've been inculcated with the view of money, but we haven't looked at what, what God has to say about money. And, and we get hung up on it because we misunderstand it. We have wrong thinking. So here's some wrong thinking. We have short-term thinking. We just think, if I could just get enough money, I'll be happy right now. That was the problem with Lot and Abraham. Lot had short-term thinking. Abraham was building a legacy that would last, well, forever. Um, when we have greed is another problem. We struggle with constantly greed. Ahab is a king in, in Israel who killed a guy for his vineyard because he, he, he thought he deserved it. Entitlement, Solomon had the same thing. Solomon ended up not listening to God, even though he was supposed to be the wisest guy on earth. Who would marry that many wives if you're a wisest? Okay. <clears throat> it's not, not my notes. So take that out of the tape. Um, we begin to believe self-sufficiency is achievable, and it's not. You can't be self-sufficient. You can take care of yourself financially. It doesn't take care of the rest of your life. Um, and the whole parable that Jesus told about guy building the bigger barns, he said, if I build the bigger barns, I'll be richer. We'll just eat, drink, and be merry. Life is going to be good. In the parable, Jesus says, you're a fool, because tonight your life will be taken from you. You are not self-sufficient. You cannot be self-sufficient. You can have good finances, and God's not against wealth, by the way. We'll talk about that in a moment. Um, there's selfishness. The Corinthians, for example, in Scripture, um, the rich people were having great communion. Communion wasn't a, a crummy little wafer and, and grape juice back then. It was a whole meal. And the rich people were having great meals, and the poor people were starving to death, and they didn't really care. The rich people didn't care. And he said, what it was selfishness? This is a problem. And then idolatry, rich young ruler, how do I inherit eternal life? Sell everything you got. That wasn't a general rule for everybody. Sell everything you got. That was for him because that was the thing he worshipped most was money. So money can trip us up. It's not actually the money itself. It's something else. So you're thinking about theology of money. God doesn't care about money. Really? Because there are 2,000 verses in Scripture about money and how we deal with money. There are only 500 on prayer. Therefore, I should be speaking about money four times more than prayer. 
16 of 38 of Jesus' parables dealt with money. Why? Because we have such wrong understandings about money. When we get a right understanding of money, life becomes much more joyful. We become much more impactful as we become generous. So let me read for you 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. One of the misunderstandings we have is what is life about? We think that life is about pleasure and comfort and ease. It is not. That is not the point of life. This passage tells us uh, uh, the point of life or part of the point of life. So we believe part of the reason we fall in the fallacy about money is we think money can buy what we really need. We think that life's about comfort and ease and pleasure, and if I get more money, I'll get more of that. And if that were true, if more money made you happier, then every rich person in the world would be completely happy. There'd be no dysfunctionality in their families. Does that seem to be the case? I mean, I don't know a lot of really, really rich people, but I see it on TV, and they don't seem to all be happy, right? They seem to have a lot of pleasure at times, and then they pay for it later, right? So God is not against wealth, but wealth is not the answer to what we need. So what if we begin to look at life not as an opportunity for pleasure, but an opportunity to live out a God-given purpose, to walk in God's presence in a, in a relationship with the one who loves us unconditionally and to experience his power in us and through us to bring change to our world. Doesn't that sound like a more meaningful life? Because that's what the Bible describes our life is to be about. It's not about pleasure. God's not against pleasure, by the way. Remember he made that other thing up we talked about a minute ago, right? So he's not against pleasure, okay? But that's not the point of life. The point of life is to have a relationship with God to fulfill the purpose he put you on this earth for with his help. And our money is to be a part of that. Our money and our generosity is part. So here's what that passage says. It said in the last, I'm going to kind of work my way back through that verse. It says, you will abound in every good work. The point of life is to abound in good works, to make a difference, to do something with your life so that when you're gone, you actually leave some mark on this world that will last forever. And so what is the point of money? Remember, abound in every good work. That phrase is written in the passage I just talked to you, which begins with, whosoever sows sparingly, it is about giving. Abounding in good works is linked to giving. Now, it could be time, could be treasure, but it, and, and talents. But it, in this case, it's talking about treasure. So here's what it looks like. When we begin to try to learn generosity, we start out as a baby. Babies only care about themselves. You say, no, no, they care about them. Nope, they only care because mom's got something they want. That's what immaturity is about. So only care about yourself. And then when you begin to grow a little bit, you begin to be aware of, I, I have a, a granddaughter who's just turned seven. She's just incredible. She's wonderful. And every time she comes to the house now, she brings uh, artwork to give us because she's become aware of the other. Now, I don't know if it's all pure in motive, but generally it's pretty good, Okay. But she is learning to be aware of the other. So she brings artwork. We now have little pictures of flags and stars and all kinds of stuff. And because she's becoming aware of other. Her brother still not there yet. So neither of her brothers. But um, they'll get there by their 14, 15 years old. So, um, 
But when we begin to grow, we begin to be aware of others. Now, this is, a, this is a difficult thing because just being aware of others is not enough. Even just giving to others. And here's what I want you to notice. Because in this passage, it said that we should be cheerful givers. Don't give reluctantly or, or under compulsion. Here's what's interesting. We can grudge give. We can grudgingly give. And that's, I feel forced, like, I can't believe they're going to twist my arm this weekend to give toward this project. Nobody's twisting your arm. Nobody's going to knock on your door. Nobody's going to give you grief if you make a pledge and don't fulfill it. This is between you and God. Because at the end of the day, we want you to become mature in your faith. Your money, God will provide the money. It's not about the money. It's about us growing spiritually. So don't give begrudgingly. And we can also give like obligatory giving. Like, okay, I guess God's done some stuff for me. I'm going to give some money. No, this is not an opportunity to get raise money. This is an opportunity to grow. So over all the years I've done these, and I've done these a long time, these are incredible. For people who will step into the opportunity and trust God, these are opportunities. The story that Moy just told you, we hear that, we will hear that hundreds of times during this deal. We will. Because it's an opportunity to trust God and to buy into what God says is the most important in the world. And when you do that, you grow spiritually. And so don't give reluctantly. If you don't want to give, don't give. I'm not making you give. I'm just telling you this is how you grow spiritually. You know the story of my dad. Every time he'd call, I'd call him up and be complaining about something and life wasn't going well for his first question, right? Son, are you giving your money away? Are you tithing? I said, what does that have to do with this? This is a relational problem. Yeah, if your heart's not right, the relationship's not going to be right. So, and your heart's, the best way to tell if your heart's right is you're giving stuff away. I didn't call my dad for many years there in the middle. <laughs> That's not true. Um, the goal is to move beyond being a baby or just other awareness to being cheerfully willing to help. This is about... It's about being like Jesus. In this passage says that we, God loves a cheerful giver. I have a friend in town. He's not in the room today. I think he's out right now, out in one of the classes, but he's, he's from Africa, and he's one of the pastors I work with in Africa. And he also happens to be a PhD and, and a professor and all kinds of the brightest guy, one of the brightest guys I know. And in Africa, when they do the offering, they don't reluctantly kind of go, okay, whatever. They get up and they dance to the front they give whatever it is they've got to give. And some people don't have much, but they give something and they dance their way back. And, and it's joyful. It's the happiest time of the service. And these are the people with the least. And I just go, we are missing something. They're just joyful. They have something to give, anything to give. And I'm just saying, we have so missed this. We have so misunderstood this, that giving is an opportunity. It's more joyful to give than receive, except in America where it's, we're confused. I don't know. So to be a cheerful giver, what is it to be Christ-centered? To give through grace. Grace and giving are very similar words. And unmerited favor, giving is about not expecting something in return, doing it because you've been blessed. And it is about, it feels good. It's growth-oriented, Second Peter 3.18, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. How do you grow in grace? You become generous. And the more generosity, the more grace God extends to us. It is heart-driven which I mean it's about your priorities, not your emotions. It's about your priorities. Um, here's a, a phrase I read from Randy Alcorn this week. Giving is a joyful surrender to a greater person and a greater agenda. When you begin to realize there are greater things at work and there's a greater person than you in this world, you find yourself wanting to align with that, contribute to that when you see what God is doing. 
It is born out of gratitude. In Luke 19, Zacchaeus stood up and, and said, I'm going to give my money away, which he had, it was ill-gotten, basically. He had ripped people off. He was not only going to give to the poor, he was going to restore to the people he'd stolen from. Because when you realize what God's love has done for you, we become great, uh, filled with gratitude and we become givers uh, based on uh, the knowledge that he owns it all anyway. God owns it all. It's not mine. We think, well, it's mine. I'm going to give God 10% of my money. No, he's letting you keep 90% of his money. And then everyone's he's going to ask you to give a little extra. And because it's all his, uh, we want to be willing to do that. And so you're saying, okay, this Doyle's up there just manipulating us to try to get money out of us. Again, you can say that if you want. My thought is if you say that is you got money issues. Not that you don't have this money. You've got heart money issues. Because I'm telling you from experience, this works. I'm telling you, when I trust God with money, he blesses me. It may be or may not be in the area of money. It might be with a great family, which he did. It might be with great relationships, which he did. It might be with a great opportunity to use my gifts and ability, which he did. But it all begins with my heart being right and me being willing to be generous and to give. What's the payoff? Giving helps keep your priorities straight. It is so hard in the society we live to not just be consumers and to make money and stuff I read this quote, when, when Americans let their possessions possess them. <laughs> Giving makes sure that your possessions won't possess you. It's like we're, we're a nation of hoarders. I got my stuff, I got my stuff. Well, your stuff's not going to do you any good at some point. What if there was something more important than your stuff? Here's what it says in Matthew 6. Do not store up treasures for yourself on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where the thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, you want to keep your priorities straight. Start investing in what's really important. Start investing in what is most important. I read this quote from John Maxwell. People give not from the top of their purses, but from the bottom of their hearts. You want to know what's important to you? I don't care what you say. Let me look at what you spend your money on. They will know what's important to you. And you know what's important to me. If Jesus is the most important thing in my life, then my finances will show it. And it is true. That, by the way, God is not against us succeeding. God is not against wealth. It's not money that is evil. It is the love of money. You continue that passage I just read. It is the love of money. It is letting money become more important than God in our lives. That is where we begin to get in trouble. Keep your priorities straight by giving. Be blessable. Be blessable. And, and this is really interesting. Here's what it said in the passage I read from Corinthians. And God is able to bless you abundantly. Not just blessly, bless you so you just barely give back. To bless you abundantly. Every time we talk about God giving to us, the Bible never says, hey, just barely get what you need. It always is extravagant. It doesn't mean in kind. It doesn't mean he's going to give you money for money, but he will bless you abundantly. And listen to this. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Your life is about abounding every good work. God will make sure you got all you need, everything you need, abundantly so. Um, I read this story by Doug Carter. And it was about a wealthy businessman and a Christian. And, and uh, a guy was very generous. And he said, how did you get to this place in life? He said, when I was a young man, I was just starting my business. There was a pastor that visited my house. And he prayed a prayer over me. And I believe that prayer is why I am successful today. And so, wow, what kind of prayer was that? I want to know that prayer. And let, me, let me read the prayer. It's, it's real short. It says, and his name was Mr. Luce. He says, Lord, if you can trust Mr. Luce with financial success, I ask you to bless him with a prosperous business. If you can't, then I ask you to withhold that blessing. Some of you are struggling financially. 
See, I really think it's that big a deal. I think God is, is so concerned about us getting the right things in first place in our life that for many of us, he won't bless us financially until we get it straight. I believe that once I am being generous to God and the things that God calls us to do, not just this project, the poor, whatever it might be, when I am being generous to that, I'm allowing God, I'm holding that stuff loosely, then I am free for God to, to bless me. Otherwise, he's just blessing a selfish person. And I'm not sure that really gets us where we need to go, does it? Um, here's what it says in Luke 6, 38. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. That's a picture of a shovel and a teaspoon right there. You want God to be good to you? Use a shovel, man. Give that stuff away. We're supposed to be conduits of God's blessing, not reservoirs. And the more you hold on to it, the less God can put in. Use a shovel. Give it away because he will bless you. You can never outgive God. I truly believe this. I've experienced this. So remember when you give, uh, you're investing in eternity. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. And um, I think that's pretty important. There's one guy who wrote about three hugs, three hugs he wants to receive one day. When he gets to heaven, he wants the Heavenly Father to hug. I don't know if the Heavenly Father hugs. I'm from Chicago. I don't hug. He might, probably, maybe, I don't know. But there is this phrase, well done, good and faithful servant. That's the first hug. I did what you want me to do, God. And then the second hug he looks forward to is somebody who received some of his generosity and because they too are in heaven. That's the second hug. And he said, after that, I hope there's somebody that that person influenced who will come and say, you didn't directly influence me, but you influenced them and they influenced me and that's why I'm here and I want to give you a hug. You see, we have to live for something bigger than ourselves. And it's about generosity. This is not about raising money for a building. Whatever comes in, we'll spend that amount, no more, that's it. It will do what we need to do. But here's the deal. And if you don't give, God will provide whatever money wants to some other way. But here's the question. Are you going to miss out on a blessing? Are you going to miss out on becoming who God wants you to be? I, so I just truly believe this isn't about money. This is about spiritual growth. And, and there will be some of you here today who are just ticked at me right now. How dare he talk about money? Well, we could talk about politics. You feel better about that? <laughs> Giving you the option. But I want to challenge you. I don't make any more money if we raise money. It doesn't affect my income at all. I'm going to have to give a bunch of money, more money than I probably want to give. I just remodeled a house. I don't have any money right now. It's okay. God will provide. I'm, we're going to do what we need to do. But the question is not about the money. The question is about your heart. If you're ticked at me right now, you've got a heart problem. Because I'm not out to hurt you. I'm out to help you. You think I talk any different to my kids? I'm much more direct with them. Because I believe this is a principle. Generosity is the secret to Christian living. I really believe that. I'm trying to help you. And if you happen to help the church in the process, great. If not, it's okay too. So here's what I want you to do. Um, if I want you, you've got an envelope. Take that envelope out. I'm not going to make you fill it out. I just want you to hold it. Just It could scare us. It'll burn up in your hands, some of you. I know, but grab it. <laughs> here's what I want you to do. I don't want you to give. I want you to pray. I want you to take, if you haven't prayed about it already, I want you to take the next week and pray. I don't want you to give before you pray, because remember, this is about getting closer to God, not about raising money, okay? I want you to take that envelope, and I want you to pray about it this week. And if you believe that God doesn't want you to give, don't give. Don't give. Nobody's going to bug you. Nobody's going to hassle you. If you think, no, I'm not supposed to give, don't give. But if you pray and you sense you're supposed to give, then just pray about it. And don't give until you've prayed. I don't want you to just write a check. I, I, no. Pray about it, because I want you to give what God, because it's about you and God getting closer. I want you to give what God wants you to give, so that you and God, so you learn to trust God more. By the way, if you do think you're supposed to give, whatever amount, don't make it the leftovers. Make it what God wants you to give, because that way you're going to have to trust Him. If it's the leftovers, you can pull it off. You don't need God, and we don't need your money. 
Because what we want are people who are walking in faith. Because the title of this talk is How to Grow in Faith by Giving in Faith. Pray about it. My bet is God will call you to give something. And when he calls you to give, we'll be a little bit uncomfortable. Because if it's easy, it's probably not God. If it's a little uncomfortable, it's probably God going, you can trust me, I'll take care of you. And at the end of it, you'll have grown in faith and trusting God. If you just give what you can already give, it's not trusting God. You're just giving what you can give. It's not a big deal. Um, and I want you to pray about it. And then I want you to come up with an amount. And I want you to write it on there. And I want you to bring it back next weekend. You can drop by the office if you want. Any, but most of us are going to bring it back next weekend. Next week we're going to have a celebration. We're not going to make you dance down front. And br- well, <laughs> we haven't decided yet how we're going to do it. But next we're going to have a celebration. Here's what we're going to do. We're just going to celebrate. And it's not, it's not the amount of money you give. It's just be obedient to God. It's equal sacrifice, not equal gifts. There's somebody in here who $1,000 would just break the bank for you. God's probably not going to call you to give $1,000. But there's somebody in here who $200,000 won't even phase you, and God's probably going to call you to give a little more. And it's not the amount you give. It's the obedience to God and the equal sacrifice. And as we do that, our whole congregation gets a little more mature spiritually, built up a little more in faith. And the building is going to be great, and we're going to use it, we'll be excited about it for generations to come. But what's going to happen, which I've seen this again and again, when people step into an opportunity like this, we as a congregation grow. Now, there's always some people who leave, get all ticked off because I talked about money. But they got a heart issue. I'm just telling you straight up, that's the deal. For the rest of us, we will step in and we will grow. It's not about manipulating. It's not about giving the money. We're ready for whatever amount comes in. We've got a plan for it. It'll work out. So I want you to pray about it. I want you to come back next week. We're going to celebrate. We're not going to announce what you gave. We're not going to tell anybody. We're not even going to hold you to it. It's not even a legal document. We're just going to take your pledge and go, okay, that's how much we have to spend. We'll start spending it. So we want you to just come back. We're going, have We're going to have a celebration week next week. We're just going to celebrate that God has given us the opportunity and the challenge, and we're going to step, step into it. And we're going to meet the challenge and then celebrate the opportunity to do that. We're just going to have a week of celebration. It's going to be fun. We're going to gr- sing some great songs. We're going to have a celebration talk. We're going to eat great food. We always eat great food, but this is going to be even better food on the courtyard. And we're just going to celebrate that God allowed us to be involved in his kingdom. I've seen lots of churches that lost the ability to do something powerful and effective for the kingdom. And we're not about that. We want to be obedient. We want God to keep using this church for generations to come. And we're going to celebrate that God is willing to do that if we're just willing to do our part, and and we are. And so today, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to ask God to speak to you this week. You say, how does God speak? There'll be a thought. He's not going to have an audible voice probably for you, Um, but there'll be a thought. Maybe I should do this. And pray about it. If you're married, work it out with your spouse. Talk to them. And, and, And just make this a growth experience. Let's grow together. And then the work will get done. The byproduct is the work gets done. The building gets taken care of. But what happens in, in the process is us growing, and that's what's powerful. And I'm just, take me at my word, take God at his word, and trust us, this is the most powerful thing a Christian can learn to do is be generous. Not just here, other places as well, but today we're talking about here. So let's pray. Lord God, we love you, we thank you, you are good to us, and you have blessed us. And Lord, there is not a person in this room who is breathing, hasn't been blessed by you. Their very breath itself. Um, Lord God, is a blessing. Lord, there are people in this room right now who are really uncomfortable and may even be a little angry. Lord, deal with their hearts. Help them not be mad at me. Help them look at their own priorities. Lord, if I've said anything offensive, Lord, let them uh, let go of that and, and uh, you show me what it is. But Lord, help us come to groups with money and not buy into the world around us because Lord, money does not have the power to bring purpose and meaning and significance in life. It is superficial. And the, whatever it brings, it brings... Um, from our heart. And so, Lord God, if we are here and we are 
struggling financially, I pray that you'd bless those folks that are struggling as they are obedient to you and their heart is right. I pray that you'd bless them, that you would cause whatever they're involved in to succeed, Lord God, and that they would give you honor and glory for it. Lord, there are people here who this is their first time to ever step out and give a little money in faith. Lord, let them have some ownership. Let them feel the opportunity to be involved in something that will outlast them. Lord God, for those who are here who have been given in many of these, I ask that you would bless them one more time for doing it once again. And for all of us, Lord, I pray that over this next week as we seek you and we seek to know what, what we should do in response to this, I pray that you would grow us because we really do want to be like Jesus. Lord, this world needs a whole lot more people like Jesus. And we want to be that. So help us be caring, loving, generous people. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.